Welcome back. It's Howl History. I am Derek Harper. I'm here with Chad Cox. It's another episode, Chad, and we're almost through with the preseason. They're three games down, one to go before the uh, real basketball begins. How, how's your week been? Uh, it's gone by super fast. We had a power grid failure in our area today. Fun. So both my wife and I work from home, so neither of us got much done because <laughs> <laughs> it went off about 1030 and then didn't come back on until right, right around two. So it was uh, that I spent the afternoon playing catch up. How about you? Oh, not too bad. We had our official office building reopening launch today. Oh, so the, the so building's been yeah. So I mean, everybody kind of came in. It was it wasn't a everybody come back to work in the office. It's a come take a tour of the changes that we made, eat from, from some food trucks, and then not show up again for another six months. So <laughs> <laughs> we're still mostly remote moving forward. But, uh, but yeah, it was good to see people. A lot of people I haven't seen in almost two years now. So it was a fun uh-huh. day. It's 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 weird because like I can imagine what that's like because obviously I've worked in the mm-hmm. corporate world back when we worked together. But <laughs> eleven now years that I'm ago, like, yeah, now yeah. that I'm living like a savage and self-employed, I don't uh, I don't see as many people as I once did. No. I do. I have a lot of clients out of state, so a lot of my meetings were would were Zoom even before COVID. <laughs> so <laughs> you're a, a pro, a vet. Yeah, it's. But that's what happened today. It was like I was just jumping on a Zoom and all of a sudden, oh, the whole power yeah. goes down. So I message, message a client. He's out of Nebraska. So he, you know, I told him and he's like, okay, I'll wait on here for you. I'm like, it might be a while. <laughs> <laughs> Our power is literally out. Yeah. It's, like, not, it's dark. It's not like I need to find then a power he, cord for my laptop. It worked perfect because he called me then just to, so we could reschedule. <laughs> so we're on the phone and I'm walking through my dark downstairs you know, where my office is, and I step on one of the dog toys, it goes, like, squeaks really loud. You'll see? That's how dark it is. I can't even see the <laughs> dog toys on the floor. <laughs> so. Oh, that's funny. Well, it's unfortunate yeah. your power went out, but uh, luckily it's on now. We are back to talk more Timberwolves. So, uh, you get a chance to watch the Clippers game the other night. I did. Yeah, it was, uh, all three preseason games have been fun. I mean, like, there's been a lot of elements to them, but the Clippers one, I, I saw the first half, of that, of course, it's late night. Yeah. I was really tired, so I fell asleep around halftime or short, shortly after the half, first half. And then the next day, it was on again on NBA TV, so I had it on while I worked and probably did more watching than working <laughs> for the second half because I missed it the, the night before. So, um, But it was fun to see. Did you watch a bunch of it? I saw some of it, yeah, definitely. And, and then checked up on the, the spirit of the fan base afterwards on Twitter. Definitely caught up with Will's Twitter to see what the, the general sentiment was. I actually went to see... Um, the new Venom movie that night. Oh, is so that I'm good? Just, you know what? It was, it's not awful, but we had a friend come with who, uh, he never saw the first one. I haven't either, to be honest. Well, well, we got to the end and he goes, I assume I missed a bunch of stuff from the first one. And we went, nope, none of that was explained. These are new characters. We don't know what happened either. So it was, it's, I mean, it's entertaining, but I wouldn't yeah. say it's one of, you know, quote unquote, Marvel's best movies. That's not even Marvel, is it? Isn't it's it not Sony? technically. It's like in association yeah, Marvel with Marvel. Marvel character. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, yeah, cause, there's like a post-credit scene where they try to loop it back into the Spider-Man universe. Yep. Okay. Forward, I heard so. that the next Spider-Man might pull Venom in and yeah. stuff. But and I love the Spider-Man movies. Those ones are awesome. Yeah, but I, I didn't fun. see the first Venom because I saw negative reviews on it early on. Mm-hmm. And then my brother went and saw it and told me it was awesome. Like one of his favorite ones, you know, comic movies of the recent 
time at that point. Um, but he hasn't seen the second one yet either. So yeah, you're the first one I've talked to that's seen it. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's worth watching. I don't know if it's worth the eleven bucks at a theater, but yeah, worth seeing. Yeah. But uh, but no, it was a it was a fun Wolves game. They ended up winning again. They're three and zero in the preseason. Uh, some of the wins have been closer than others, and some of the games that they've been up big, they have given up their leads. And some of the uh, games that they've been way behind, they've come back. But um, what stood out? Anything that has I know it's preseason, and we're trying to you know t- glean what we can from the the embers of a, a far away fire here. But anything that has stood out to you that you hope either carries over to the to the regular season, or that looks di- just looks different, and that we think is going to be a a, sim- a symbol for what we're what is to come. I mean, I think a lot of it looks different. Um, so, but I don't want to get too carried away with right too too overly optimistic. <laughs> um, on what I think, because I, I think that defense looks really, really good. Now, part of that is you're playing in the preseason, but we're playing guys that aren't going to be playing, you know, regularly either, you know, and, and part of those runs, you know, the New Orleans game, um, at, which was the only home one, that one, we had the big lead early and, and the, the bench gave it up. So that kind of shows more of what you would see in the regular season that, you know, starters was starters. Now Zion didn't play. Oh, New Orleans has been such trash in the preseason. They look yeah. like garbage right now. That goes to one of my predictions later. And <laughs> so, uh, but the other part I really liked is the defense, which also kind of goes to something else later. But I, so I had to look it up quick and I think they're like fifth or sixth right now defensively. No, it's only through three games and it's preseason, but that's not, typical even for the wolves in preseason to be that good defensively um in recent years so i I, you know do i think they finish six no but i i do think that's going to be something that'll carry over um you know the the concern i would have if there is a concern would be will they get um will they will they give up on this defense will the players give up on this extra effort on defense the first time they get blown out yeah you know because there will be games where, you know, offensively they're just, their shots aren't going down. And even if they're playing solid defense in the first half, if they're down 15 or 20 in the second half, you know, this is a team that's folded in the past. Mm-hmm. So will they fold? And then will they just kind of go back to their old ways on defense? You know, frankly, to me, it's a little bit more of a lazy man's defense um, the way they played in in previous seasons compared to what they're doing now. I'm not saying they were lazy. Just, I know that part of that scheme this year everybody's sort of required to move a lot more than they typically do. So will that be something that they can maintain throughout the whole season? That remains to be seen, but that's something I hope that kind of continues on from the preseason. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, especially that defense that you brought up, I think we have to be encouraged by Ant's defense and that like, like we've known the whole time, it's really effort with him, but there's been nothing but good, you know, good things said about him, you know, coming out of training camp in terms of his defensive effort. You know, I think coach Finch said he's even playing better on defense than he is on offense right now. Um, and then just what we've seen is his, his one-on-one individual defense, his help defense, his ability to, to shoot the gaps. He's, he's not, you know, losing track of his guy off the ball. If he can keep that up, that level of intensity and that level of effort through the season, it's going to take, you know, take him you know further than we even thought he could go even if his scoring isn't where we wanted it to be so yeah and I you know his scoring it's something that it's almost another positive because I don't think he's he's really kind of been a big part of the offense yet like we maybe thought he would be Mm -hmm. um this early in the season it's just you know it's either been 
the D'Lo and Cat show or, um, you know, other guys have sort of emerged. And, and Ant has, he's had his moments on offense for sure, but he's, he's not, it's not schemed offense for Ant. It's more Ant kind of one-on-one doing the things that Ant does. Um, but I, so while that's a little bit concerning that they haven't sort of worked him into the normal flow of the offense yet. Yep. What is the, on the, on the plus side of that is once the season gets going, we're, we've been successful even without him being a big part on the offense. And he's a whole nother gear that, you know, this team hasn't had regularly. Um, so when we get to that, the tougher games and in, in the regular season, it's the possibility where when things start to go stale, Ant can take over and it's like another gear that we haven't shown yet in preseason. So, um, cause I don't think it's going to stick. That part's going to stick. I mean, Ant's going to get his somehow, you know, they're, they're going to figure it out. Um, so it's kind of a, a mixed bag there. Yeah. We still need to see how Ant and D'Lo and Carl, you know, all share the ball in terms of being primary initiators on the offense. Um, what type of roles they play and, you know, just are they switching it game to game? Are they switching it quarter to quarter? Who stays in with the, you know, when when the bench guys come in, who subs out first, that type of stuff? What do the rotations look like? So um, there's a lot, like, that's what preseason, you know, can't show you because there, there's no way they're giving away their full offense. There's no way that Coach Finch is locked into his rotations. They don't even know who's going to be the fifth starter yet. Um, so it's right. just a matter of uh, once the real games start, you know, in a week or so, it's going to be, you know, trying to figure out from that point on, you know, who's going to be the guy and is it going to be one guy? Is it going to be three guys? How are they going to, you know, split that up? So um, we won't know that until it comes up. But like we said, defensive intensity, that can always come. That can always be a thing. Uh, And if the team is going to play the same way on defense that they have, you know, through the preseason so far and put in that level of effort, you know, the shot's going to, you know, fall sometimes, you know, some games and not fall others, like you said. And, you know, and, and like we've seen in the preseason, that Denver game, the first quarter, they were playing you know, just as hard and they were going at them, but the, you know, the, the shot just wasn't falling. Um, right. For right. the starters. So, uh, but, but yeah. there was a, even in the Denver game, I don't know if you were, if you saw it or if mm-hmm. you recall it, but there was a, um, I think it was in the first half, but cat had a nice block on, yeah. on Jokic yep. right down in the paint. I mean, I, and those two were going look, at it like it was a regular season game. They were for yeah. sure. In fact, my son said, man, Towns kind of mixes it up with everybody. He kind of, doesn't seem like anybody likes him. <laughs> and I didn't, I, I don't, I think he was just seeing their physicality. He didn't see, you know, if anything, Jokic was the one that kind of went over and, yep. you know, greeted him before the game started and stuff. Um, so I don't think there's any bad blood. It's just a competitive, you know, rivalry for those two. But, um, but that was good to see. I mean, you know, Cat holding his own because Jokic is one of those guys that's a lot bigger than him. Um, so. Yeah. Jokic, another... Jokic is a funny guy. He's just uh, yeah. like, there, I get way too into the like quote unquote rivalries with the Timberwolves. So like Embiid and Jokic, I just decide I don't like those guys because Carl is supposed to be at the same level. So I'm gonna right, right. cheer against them and I'm gonna you know downplay anything that they do successfully. But you know that's that's just reached a level where it's like ah Jokic is Jokic and Carl's yeah. got to prove something to to get back on that level. So it doesn't really even feel like a rivalry the way that you, that it used to. But the longer yeah. Jokic goes, the more I'm like this guy's just funny. You know he's just kind of. I like him. Yeah. He, I'm, I'm a big fan of him. I mean, there's this YouTube clip of him where they're doing like a halftime like special in Denver, right? And they're—I don't even know who the player. I forget who the player was on the Nuggets, but they're—they're they're having him show their local Marnie Gellner mm-hmm. the his shoes in his locker, right? And so he's pulling out like these are the Jordan ones and these are the Jordan eight, you know, and he's like showing them 
shoe after shoe after shoe. And the camera just pans to the left. And Jokic is there just in a towel. And he's just like rolls his eyes and just shakes his head. And they go, Joker, do you want to show us your shoes? He's like, yeah, yeah. Brings them over to his locker. He pulls one out. He goes, got the high top. Chucks it in the locker. <laughs> pulls another one. He goes, at the low top. Chucks it in his locker. And that was it. Yeah. He had two shoes, high and low. And I was like, man, I love this guy. I mean, and I like shoes better than Joker, obviously. Right. I just love how. He just doesn't you know, care. That, no, he doesn't care. Yeah. And the player that was showing off his shoes was not a regular rotation player. It was a guy that, you know, I mean, I, I, I mean, I knew who the player was. I just am blanking on who it was, but it wasn't, it wasn't like Jamal Murray or something yeah, like that. No. It was like, you know, some guy at the end of the It was like bench. Monty Morris or something. Somebody like that. Yeah. yeah. It might even been him. Yeah. So it was just, it was hilarious that Joker is just, and his locker was completely disarray and pretty barren. This other guy's locker was packed full of like gear and all right. sorts of yeah. stuff. So it's just awesome. Like I, I love that about him. But yeah, they have their final uh, preseason game coming up tomorrow against Brooklyn. Uh, by the time most of you listen to this, the game will be only a few hours away and I suppose possibly even complete. So hopefully it's a, something nobody gets hurt and there's something fun that comes out of the game and we're all ready for the regular season with a, a full roster. We get a little bit more insight into the uh, power forward starting job. Uh, we've had three different candidates, or I, not even power forwards roll through, but we've had three different starting candidates so far with Akogi, uh, Vanderbilt, and uh, Beasley so far, you know, getting a chance for one game each. We'll see if they roll out one of those guys again tomorrow or if they bring in a fourth and guy. Jaden has started all three games, hasn't Jaden has started at all three games, yep. Which is actually a little surprising. I didn't necessarily think. I thought there would be more lineup shuffling where, we would see a lineup where Vando starts at the four mm-hmm. and maybe Beasley's also starting um, just to kind of see what that looks like. Or, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily think Vando and Okogie would both start, right. but I definitely think both Vando and Beasley or maybe Okogie and Beasley would, could possibly start. Um, but it looks like Jaden might have that spot locked down, which. Yeah. there. I mean, there's I mean, been some talk about Beasley trying to work himself into game shape right now. They said they gave him some time off at the good. end of the off season. So. Um, he's not, he doesn't have the same bounce, the same athletic energy that he had, uh, last season, which, um, hopefully he can work himself into that, but, uh, that, you know, and that might be playing into it. If he was in peak physical shape again, right now, we might've very well already seen a Beasley and Vanderbilt combination in this preseason. And we, maybe we still see that tomorrow in the starting lineup, but, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been surprised to see that, but maybe it's just Beasley is not being ready is kind of playing into that too. Maybe he just needs to work his yeah. way in. Yeah. I mean, even when I saw his pictures, he looked heavier. Yeah. Less defined, maybe not bigger, but mm-hmm. less, I mean, like, I'm not trying to say he's a, no, blob out of shape. I'm fat. So yeah. Last year he was in such ridiculous shape yeah. that it was like noticeable that this year he wasn't in mm-hmm. the same shape he was in last year. And so, um, I thought he looked a lot better in the Clipper game than he did in the first two in terms of just moving. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, you know, I mean, it, he, I mean, he's uh, never going to have the same game as James Harden, so he can't gain 30 pounds and still be right, successful. Right. Yeah, no, he, he has to live off of his, uh, stamina and his running, mm-hmm. uh, injury notes. They're going to hold uh D'Lo out for something that had a long term, but essentially is just rest. And, uh, McLaughlin is still out, uh, for one more game. Hopefully they can get him back for the regular season. And then a is questionable with the ankle that he's dealing with, but that should mean that Beverly's back with, uh, he missed the the Clippers game. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to get to play against his old squad, um, but he should be back. He's really the only point guard in the roster uh, with the other two 
sitting out this game. Um, so we should see lots of Patrick Beverly tomorrow, and uh, we'll see how much run he gets if they give him more than 20 minutes or if they uh, try to slide Balmero into uh, you know a larger role in the backcourt or Jalen Noel really. you know He stepped yeah, up say, big at the end of the last couple of games. So. Yeah, I, I would guess part of that is Noel will play a lot more minutes than he did in the, mm-hmm. the other games because um, he's earned them, frankly. Has, and yeah. then, and then uh, I think anyway, the plan would have been to see some more of the bench play. Like, yeah. I, I would guess the starters, that's, whoever starts tomorrow doesn't play as many minutes as the starters that played previously. Maybe Beverly does just because he missed a game. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he, he, he would be playing more minutes than he's accustomed to anyway because he came off the bench in the other games he did play. So, um, yeah, so it'll be fun. I mean, I, I'm actually anxious to see a little bit more of Bomaro because I've liked what I've seen in, you know, in the, the minutes we've gotten to see him play because he looks like he belongs. Like, he doesn't look like the NBA is too big for him. Like, he looks more ready than your average rookie, let alone your average rookie from Europe. He yeah. just looks like he's doing more little things. Like, he's playing good defense. He's, you know... Yeah, making he, some nice passes. You can tell he's played professional basketball before. He's not afraid yeah. of the moment. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's encouraging. Yeah, maybe, you know, get some good run for the starters in the first half. Get them out of there so there's no injuries. You know, give a little bit more run to McKinley Wright or Isaiah Miller. See if they can get, you know, a little bit more time before being sent down to Iowa next week. And uh, we'll get the guys out of here and get ready for the, the real games. But, uh, yeah. you know, Chad, Third Eye Blind once said, I wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend. I'm going to actually ask you to do the opposite. I'm going to ask you to get out on the ledge today, come up with some bold predictions, and then tell me, and then we'll uh, record them and laugh at each other at the end of the regular season once none of them come true. But uh, you'll, you'll remember mine. I probably won't remember yours. So <laughs> I'm going to write them down, and we'll, we'll, we'll come back to them. <laughs> but uh, we, I asked Chad to do this earlier. I think we came in with about five bold predictions. I don't know. We're going to rank the boldness of each other's predictions from 1 to 10. And then uh, we'll we'll each give a, a confidence level from one to ten as we as we shot them out too, and we'll see which ones have the highest scores on confidence and boldness combination. And then we'll uh, keep track of them and see how we did. But uh, Chad, you want to go first or second? I'll go second. I'll All right, go first. But I, I have a feeling we might have one or two that are s- similar enough. So it's possible. All Let's... five of mine are player related. I didn't go anything team related because we just talked about all of the the team over unders and stuff like that. But yeah. all um, mine except for one is a. Uh, I believe All right. there's two. I'm going to start out with something uh, fairly quick and quick and easy. Uh, my confidence level on this is probably an eight, uh, because if Carl Anthony Towns is healthy, I think he's a lock to be an all-star. I don't think that's too questionable, but I think it's, uh, I think if he, if, if he's healthy until the all-star break, I think he will be an all-star. Nice. Okay. Um, I can't disagree because I actually have a little bit bolder version of that. Sure. Yeah. I actually think he'll get Towns is going to get some MVP votes this season. I think he's going to have his, a big enough. I don't think he's going to come in where close to winning MVP. So no, like he'll first be one place those, votes, but he'll be like a, a top five vote. Yeah. He'll, he'll be like one of the guys that they list that have yeah. received votes. Sure. Right. Yep. Um, and part of that, I think will be because of team success. I think regardless of where we think the wolves finish, I think nationally, uh, people like most national media members kind of written the wolves off as a franchise a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And so I think the wolves are going to surprise some people. And I think, you know, when, whenever a team does that, the best player on that team usually gets a lot more accolades yeah. um, than they're accustomed. And I think cat is going to remind people that he's still, 
a top five or six big man in the NBA anyway. Um, so you take that and then you magnify it by a team that you know has made big improvements. I think he'll get. I think he'll get a few votes. So give, me, so, so give me a I, number. So, so like, are we thinking like one fifth place vote, or are we thinking? No, I think it'd be more like three fifth place votes. Okay, and then maybe one fourth place vote or something like that kind of All thing. Right. Um, so I think he'll get a, a handful of votes. It won't be just like one. All right. What's your confidence on that? And we're doing on a scale of one to ten. One to ten. Said, yep. I said an eight for an all star. I'm gonna say six. Okay. Six confidence. All right. I'm going to say. Your prediction is probably, I'll give it a seven on the boldness scale. Okay. And I will say yours as an all-star, maybe because mm-hmm. I've... Yep, I've you, tried, you topped me. MVP caliber. <laughs> um, I'm going to say your, yours will be a, like a three yep. bold. Boldness. All right. So yours, uh, yours comes in at a 13, mine's in an 11. So, so far yours is uh, higher on our, our scoring scale here. All right, why don't you get us started out for the second one? Okay, this <clears throat> another one. It's a two-parter, but it's um, just two. It's it's one prediction, but for two players. Okay. So I have D'Lo. I'm gonna. My bold prediction is that he's gonna finish in the top five in assists in the NBA this season. All right. Um, I I kind of told you before we started that I actually had to back down a couple of these, and mm-hmm. I originally had him in top three, but then I looked at the top three. I'm like, that's really tough. <laughs> so I'm gonna say, I guess we we talked last. Uh, last episode, we talked about it uh, briefly about assists, and we said something about Chris Paul. But I forgot that uh, Russell Westbrook also averages over ten a game. Yeah. So for multiple you guys now. are right. So there's two guys ahead of him, even though I think Westbrook's might dip a little bit. But but anyway, I think D'Lo, you know, he's he's never averaged more than seven assists a game, but he's also never had the collective offensive firepower yeah. around him will this season so i think that combined with the system that finch is sort of establishing um the on both sides of the ball by the way like on defense and offense i think on defense we're going to get more steals we're going to get more fast break situations that delo isn't necessarily it's not his style per se but i think he'll embrace it over the course of the season and i think that's going to get him to be you know seven was his, his top that he had in brooklyn I think he's going to be over eight, which I think will be enough to get him in that top five range. And I'm going to couple that with, I think Towns is going to average over six assists this season. Now, he's never averaged more than four and a half, but he has increased his assist totals or averages every season of his career. Mm -hmm. Um, He's had some seasons where he's had a whole one assist per game jump, and he's had other ones where it's like point one assists jump. But... Um, I think, again, because of the style of play, because of the fact that Towns seems to be embracing this this uh, initiative of trying to become a better big, passing big man and wants to be elite at one more thing, um, he seems to really, even last season when Finch took over that second half of the year, Towns really seemed to be trying to get more assists. Uh, so I think he's going to continue to do that this whole season. And I think for him, it would be one and a half assists per game more than what he averaged last year. So I think... If you, if you want to get a conference level, if you want me to split it, I'll do that, or I can do combined. But I, I'm higher on Towns getting more than six than I am D'Lo finishing in the top five. But collectively, I would say I'm like uh, six on that as well. I, I would be more like an eight on Towns getting above six. <laughs> but for D'Lo to get above, or to get top five, I think D'Lo getting above eight, I would be 
a seven. Okay. But above or to get in the top five, yeah. I mean that's there's a lot of guys. Um, but I'll. I, all right. That's it. That's Six confidence trick. combined. All right. So I'm looking at the stats from last year here. In order to be in the top five last year, you would have had to have 8.9 assists per game. That would tie you with Chris Paul and Draymond Green for fourth. Um, Luca came in at 8.6. Jokic came in at 8.3. So you had seven guys who were above eight last year. So Russell's really going to be pushing. Need to be pushing for nine assists a game to be in the top five. Which I don't think. I mean, like you said, he's never averaged above seven. It's a it's a couple more a game. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I don't think with the number of guys who are going to have the ball in their hands on the Wolves, I don't think it's not necessarily something that I would predict. I don't, you know, none of those other guys, uh, Chris Paul, Draymond Green, you know, Trey Young, James Harden, and Russell Westbrook were ahead of them. I don't, I'm not seeing anybody from any of their teams in the top 25 who are competing with them in assists. Uh, so if you're going to put Towns at over six game, that puts him in the top 25 as well. Um, it does, but I will point out for a couple of those guys in Brooklyn, you got Kyrie mm-hmm. potentially coming back um, and playing more minutes alongside Harden, which could dip him down a little bit. In Golden State, at some point, Clay will be back, um, who's another passer. Um, so I don't think Draymond will be quite at, I think he'll be back in the sevens. Um, and then I think Chris Paul takes a little bit of a step back, although I've been saying that for like five years. He's <laughs> like the the Brady to my Max Kellerman yeah. <laughs> predicting his, his demise. Um, but I do think he, he takes one because I think Chris Paul, they save him for the playoffs. And I think he plays less minutes. So I think he'll do, he'll, he'll average less assists per game. But so I think there's a, a window for him. Obviously there might be guys like John Morant. This is a third year for him as a point guard, yep. third year point guards typically take a big leap, especially if they're elite. So he could jump up into that realm. Um, but for, for dealer, you're right. I, I, so I pegged him at about eight. So I'm projecting both of them to go up about, well, Towns go up one and a half from last year yep. and D'Lo go up about one and a half from his high point in Brooklyn, which was really the last time he's been fully healthy. So, um, so we'll see. Yeah. I no. Mean, so, I mean, I think it's pretty bold. I think it's probably even bolder than Towns be getting a few MVP votes, a few down ballot MVP votes. So I'd give that a, uh, probably give that an eight on the boldness scale. I think that's a, a pretty high one. Let's see. I also have a D'Lo uh, prediction. I don't know how necessarily bold it is, but let's see. D'Lo has 158 total three-pointers so far with the Timberwolves. My prediction is that he moves into the top five all-time three-pointers made as a Timberwolf, which sounds incredible for the amount of time that he's been on the team and the number of games he played. But what he would have to do to do that is he would have to make 186 this year to pass Wally Zerbiak and move into fifth all-time on the team. Uh, but the team record is 190 in a season by Kevin Love. So D'Lo made 234 three-pointers his year with Brooklyn, but that was also last time he played, you know, 80-plus games in a season. So he's going to have to stay largely healthy, and he's going to have to have the ball in his hands a lot to to approach that number. So I think coming in, you know, between the numbers, the rest of the numbers he's shown for his career and that high point in Brooklyn, um, I think, you know, predicting a, a around 200 three-pointers this year to not only set the team record for a season, but move into the top five all time on, on the Timberwolves, I think is, uh, is where I'm putting them. I like it. I think we kind of touched on this briefly last episode as well about the possibility of, uh, D'Lo's three point shooting increasing. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing would be is if Beasley gets in shape and starts playing big minutes, like does that limit how many three point shots he can take? 
Um, so I think I my my feeling is it's pretty easy if health doesn't get in the way. I mean, if he if he's healthy, if he plays 82 games, that's only 2.3, 2.4 pointers made a game, which I think is a fairly reasonable yeah. number, even with Beasley and Towns and Edwards all out there. If he starts missing games, if he starts missing 10, 12 games throughout the season, you know, he has a long extended stretch, that's when it becomes a problem. That's when he's going to have to push his threes made per game up to three or so, you know, three, three and a half, like we were talking about in those over-unders. So that number I'd be a little bit more uncomfortable with. So this is really... You know, last year we did this type of episode, and I think I predicted that the Timberwolves would have three players that would break the team record in three-pointers made in a season. Um, and I think by threes made per game, they would have, but none of them stayed healthy enough. It was, you know, Towns, Beasley, right. and and uh, D'Lo. So uh, hopefully they all stay healthy for enough games to actually I mean, all and, push for that and record. And even in that realm to get... He is now, which number of shots he's going to yeah. take, yeah. So, you know, Kevin Love could move from first, you know, on a record that stood up for a decade, down to you know, fourth on this list if if the guys stay healthy this year. So we'll see if if anybody else can break that one ninety mark. But um but I don't think I don't I don't know if it's necessarily even that bold. I think it's just Delo's gonna you know, it's it's crazy crazy that he could move into the top five all time for the Timberwolves. Yeah, it is for such a short period. But there's a lot of guy a lot of records on this team that are like that where, you know, the newest guy in breaks it. Um so yeah, I uh boldness scale, I would say I agree with you. It's not, I don't, I wouldn't say it's the, the health is the bolder piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say it's a five on the boldness scale. Okay. Yeah. I'm going with a, a nine on the confidence. Okay. So we'll go with a five. It pushed me up to a 14, which ties, uh, it ties your last record or your, your last one. So nice. All right. Let's see. What's my third one. I have. Okay. So this is probably the one I'm least confident on, and it might also be my most bold, but it's very simple. I think that of the players currently on the roster, so this is excluding the possibility of a trade, I think that Nas Reed will, by the end of the season, be the starting power forward and be Ooh. considered the best power forward on the roster next to Carl Anthony Towns. Well, I can't disagree, and this isn't one I was going to do, but it was my bonus one. I had Nas Reed as the runner-up for six-man of the year this year. Okay. Um, which would have included in my prediction that he would have got some starts yeah. along the way um, during the minutes. Um, I didn't think he would win six man because I don't think enough people know who he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's going to go to one of those, those guys that's always in the conversation, but I think there'd be enough attention on him where he at least is runner up. Um, so I, I like that prediction and i also like the fact the only thing i would say that would get in the way of him becoming the starting power forward is if jade mcdaniels emerges as a starting power forward because i do think Nas is a better player than vando mm-hmm. and so i think he could beat out vando i think he's a better player than okogi so i think he beats out okogi so he beats out the other main competitors to him at power forward other than torian prince is the one other yep, yep. dark horse here um but I mean, Finch just said it the other night that he has to find a way to get Nas and Cat on the floor together more often. Um, and so, you know, that may that might be how he does it. You know, maybe he starts them both and then subs one out as the first sub out in a game to still stagger them throughout the game. Um, yeah, I so don't I like. I think the biggest conflict here is that I don't know if they feel like they have enough depth at the center position to have Nas starting at power forward because. Yeah, but I think I think they're going to find out Nate Knights up. Like I think a gem. I think they'll like him. I also think that 
Finch and Gupta are both going to be much more open to playing big. So unless, I, I mean, I've got another prediction here coming up that's going to address that as well. But um, I think unless there's a, a trade, I think they're going to really start to lean on that Nas and Towns front court because I think the size is going to give them a better chance and plug some of the holes that they, they're witnessing. And I think, you know, we've seen this preseason, they've kind of just been trying to balance um, rebounding with floor spacing. And I think they lose one of the two with the different options that they've been given, whether it's Vanderbilt or a Kogi or uh, Beasley in these starting spots. And I think the only player on the roster that you can slide into that four you know, that four spot and still give you the rebounding and the size along with the floor spacing is Nas. And if he can, I mean, he's not going to move without the ball, but he seems to be the best fit. And maybe he's not as quick footed to play the defensive system that they want, especially if he's playing power forward, you know, then you slide Carl to the four and you let Nas play the center and whatever you need to do. But uh, my, my, I don't like, like I said, it's my least confident. So I'm probably putting a a three in confidence on this one because I think there are lots of competitors here and it goes against the the grain, but um, see, and the weird thing is, I think it's, I mean, it's not as um, it's it's more bold than D'Lo's three point shooting, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's extremely bold. That, that's the weird thing. Like, I get where you're coming from a three and a confidence, but I also don't think it's like it seems like it has more likelihood that that happens than some of these other ones we've already talked about. Yeah, just because we don't have like a surefire guy at the four spots, so um, I would probably give the boldness rating a six. Sure. Even though you're, uh, yeah, you're at a three at conference level, right. because I, I mean, I get it from your you can, standpoint. You can see the path to it happening. Yeah, 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 right. More so than you know, I mean, certainly more than deal up in a top five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's your third one? All right, third one. Let's go with another cat one. Okay. Um, I am gonna predict that he's averages over twelve rebounds a game. Again, he's actually done it three times. Mm-hmm. This is what's so weird about Towns. He's incredibly consistent in rebounding because he's played six seasons. Three of those seasons, he's averaged 10.5 rebounds. The other three, he's averaged about 12.3. There's yeah. no in-between. It's either 12 or 10.5 for Cat. For and I think this is going to be another 12-rebound season. And I think it, for a couple of reasons, will be, number one, he's healthy, healthier than he's been the last you know, two seasons. And there's less other baggage going on there's you know covid we know how to live with this new reality um his you know knock on wood everything and his family is going well and, and all that kind of stuff so i think there'll be less distractions for him um i think there's less guys around him to also get rebounds mm-hmm. um unless nas becomes a full-time starter but even that nas is that's not like his strongest skill set either so i still think even if nas is starting I don't think Nas's minutes go up a ton from starting, and so I still think Cat would be out there as sort of like your your main your main rebounder and your your second option on the boards because the rest of the guys just aren't yeah you know elite rebounders. So we talked last week about Towns' over under being at eleven point three on rebounds. So you're going to take it a little bit further and bring it up to twelve and say over. Correct. All right. Yep. Um, like I said, I don't know if it's bold bold because i think that's what you said too you know he either gets 10 and a half or 12 so he's done it before he's done it three times um bringing him above 12 would move him into the top four uh in rebounding last year you know capella came in at 14.3 gobert had 13.5 valanchunas at 12.5 all of those guys are you know significantly bigger bodies you know low post guys and than towns um 
that's part of the reason why I, I had the MVP prediction that I would see. I had these in a different order, but yeah. because um, we're bouncing around. Yeah. Yeah. Bouncing around with your picks. It bit better to talk with the MVP one earlier. Um, so the reason is if, if I think he's going to average six plus assists and 12 rebounds, mm-hmm. and we know he's still going to be a 22 to 25 point per game guy. Right. That's why he gets MVP because all the other guys that you talked about in the rebounding, they're all defensive players or, you know, they're they're C tier big men. In, in case I like Valanciunas, well, he's he's probably more B tier, but but none of them are. It's not Gobert, it's not Jokic, it's not the other. Or sorry, it is Gobert. It's not Embiid. It's not Jokic. It's not the other guys that we keep putting Towns in the same class of and yep. saying, okay, he missed. He's outside of that group now. This is me speculating that he's going to scratch and claw his way back into that elite group with Jokic and Embiid. I think those are the three guys then, right? And that if Towns is averaging 12 rebounds, 24 points a game, and six assists a game, mm-hmm. I mean, how do you not give the guy an MVP vote if you know as one of your guys, right? Um, those are pretty crazy. I mean, how you don't is if they're still like the right. 12th best team. Less, you have to but, win. You have to win to get those votes. Right, right. You know, so I mean, the big like we were talking about Jokic earlier, it just to go to show, you know, what his season, how good his season was last year when he ended up winning the MVP. He had 26.4 points, 10.8 rebounds and 8.3 assists. So, you know, even higher scoring on an amazing, you know, amazing efficiency than what we're expecting out of towns this year. The rebounding is about a, you know, a rebound and a half lower than what you're predicting, but then in another two and a half assists on, on top of the number that we've even talked about. So I, I mean, that guy just put up crazy numbers last year. Yeah. But. I mean, I, I don't think people, I mean, I know he got MVP, but I, I still don't think people appreciated it enough what kind of season he put together. There's a lot of this weirdness in sports today because I think part of it's the um, the ESPN factor of ESPN really only covers what it is they want to cover. It's like we're in the middle of baseball playoffs, and I'm yeah. not a baseball guy, but I have Sports Center on all day while I'm working or, yeah. or ESPN on. And all they're talking about is, you know, the Dallas Cowboys and the Los Angeles Lakers. Well, the Lakers are. Haven't even played yet. Yeah. yeah. And Dallas, you know, yeah, we're they're one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now and, and all that. But you're not going to cover, you know, some of these other stories. And so I I don't think, you know, and Jokic is because he played in Denver. I don't think people gave him enough credit for that kind of year he had in the same way that, do you know who Shohei Otani is? Yeah. Baseball player. He's, uh, do you, have you followed him at all this year? Like what is, yeah, what oh, absolutely. Like, right. Okay. So he's one of the top two yeah. or three home run guys. He's also a pitcher, right? Which is, I don't know how this isn't on Sports Center every well, single yeah. night. It should be. Do, I don't know if you're old enough to. They remember. would never stop talking about it, right? Yeah, it should be like the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa home run race. Yeah, where every they let time, off every night. Yep. Yeah, not only ever during the day if they were playing, they broke into whatever else yep. was on ESPN at the time and showed. I remember being at the Mall of America. And we'd be just, you know, doing your your rounds on yep. each floor. Yeah. And the, the the shops that had TVs on in them, you would know when one either Sosa or McGuire was up to bat because it, you'd be people overflowing yeah. out. And they just stuff. stop and watch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. To me, what Otani's doing is even more impressive than what those guys were doing then because this is like Babe Ruth stuff, you know, mm-hmm. and pitching. And, and so Jokic season last year is so it's less impressive to me than what Otani's doing, to right. be honest. Yeah. But, but it's up there. You know, I'm like, I'm trying to think of another NBA season that was that all-encompassing in terms of stats across the board. Um, I mean, 
you know, you know, you give me a lot of crap about bagging on Westbrook, mm-hmm. but I do think in that standpoint, him averaging triple doubles for the couple, last couple seasons, that's not getting enough right. recognition either because you forget. And yeah, I get, he's not the best defensive player, but to average a triple double, that's extremely difficult to do. Yeah. Only one you know, other guy's ever done it. Yeah. It's insane to me that it's not a bigger deal than it is, but because he was, it'll be a bigger deal this year if he does it because he's playing for the Lakers and ESPN cares about yeah. LA and New York market. I mean, ESPN's become, I, I, I came up with this analogy the other day to myself, <laughs> I can share it with anyone. but ESPN's become the magazines and dentist offices. Sure. You know, yeah. they're there. People thumb through them, but nobody subscribes. Yeah. You know, ESPN's on. It's always on in every sports bar you go and do. It's on in a lot of offices. Marketing, I'm, in a, I'm in the marketing field. It's on in every agency. You know, you have the sports centers. You know, ESPN's on in the, the lobby or whatever all day. And it's just like tune-out television where it's like you're there to, to see just a couple little things you're looking for. But most of the stuff they're covering is just the garbage on the, you know, that they like, yeah. the Cowboys, Lakers, they don't but, expect yeah. anybody to give more than 15 minutes to their network throughout the day. So they're just going to keep, keep covering the same thing over and over and over. over. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, so it's, it's a little bit annoying that that's what we've kind of delved ourselves into because, you know, I don't think Jokic is appreciated as, as highly as he should be um, because that season he had last year was incredible. Yeah. And I think if, if Towns had a similar, you know, the 24, 12 and six, and a half like mm-hmm. i'm predicting plus you know nearly two blocks a game um i think that's in in most seasons that would be an mvp season but because joker's out there it still might not be it still might not be enough so i think the i think the two blocks a game would be a bolder prediction than 12 re- over 12 rebounds nearly, nearly two blocks I'm, okay. you know, <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I i did nearly i didn't wasn't predicting sure. two and in my head, I was thinking that 1.5 to 1.8, but, um, well, let's bring it back here over 12. I'm going to give it a, a, a five on the, uh, boldness scale. Confidence scale. I'm going to give it an eight. Mm, there you go. It's a big old 13 there. Not, not our, not our highest score, but it's, it's a high one. Nope. Your, uh, your D'Lo and Towns assists one is still your highest. That's because of the boldness. Yep. <laughs> You got your eight on the boldness. I know. I should write my confidence skill down. I didn't, I didn't know how this was going to play out. I should have saved that one for last. <laughs> All right. What's number four? Number four is I, this is a team one. I think the, the Wolves are going to finish in the top 15 in defense this season. Okay. Top half defense. Uh, top half. I, I kind of teased it at the beginning when we were talking about the preseason. Right now, I, I believe they're sixth. It might even be higher than that. I looked it up. Um, just because I was curious after like watching the games yeah. to see the, the numbers sort of confirmed what it was I was watching. Uh, and I get, you can't put a ton of confidence in a preseason, you know, three preseason games, but their energy is different. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the players are bought in now. Again, I, I mentioned that earlier that if they get shelled by somebody th- that they might no longer be buying into that that uh yep scheme. but um right now the way they look i think if they stick to this throughout the season i think they could be a top 15 defense which would be a giant leap for this team from where they've been so sometimes most of the time we throw out preseason and we say get teams are just trying some things teams are you know 
only putting out half their stuff, whatever happens. The results aren't anything because you're playing, not even playing your full roster. You're playing more than your full roster, whatever it happens to be. But there are times when a team, either through a transaction or through a coaching change or whatever it happens to be, they show something that really sticks with you, that you think this is different. And the, the number one time on that for me was back in 2004 when the, when Steve Nash joined the Suns. I remember they came out to Philadelphia. I was just interning at the time. And they played a game, and even in the in the first quarter, I was watching that game. I was going, "No, this this isn't going to be fair. Like, this is a this team is different than everything else I've ever seen watching basketball." And I'm not saying like I'm not saying that's what the Wolves' defense is right now. Right, right. right. But sometimes yep. you see something and you're like, "Nope, this is different." Like, it's not yeah, just not preseason. Saying, yeah, you're not saying the Wolves' defense is going to be unfair for the rest of the league. No, I'm not saying the Wolves' defense <laughs> is equivalent to the seven seconds or less Suns. Like that's right, right, right. You no, know, that's, that's not exactly what I'm saying. But sometimes you can see something in preseason where you say it's not just preseason. It's not just the rotations. Like this is legitimately this team changed. The effort level is different. This is you know this is this is something they're going to take forward. So um, I can see. I can see a defensive improvement easily. I, you know, especially over what they've had for the past ten years. I don't, you know, I don't know if they've ever been higher than twenty first or whatever. But um, I've, top fifteen. That's uh that's pretty bold, Chad. I'm, I think I'm gonna have to put that one up there with the uh, with the eight on the on your other one. Okay. Well, I might only give it a confidence score of a three. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, and and that was actually when I backed down. Yeah. I originally originally put down in my notes top 10 yeah but there's no zero chance for top 10 um but top 15 i mean i think there's a shot um i think i mean i i'd say there's a shot too if there's a really good shot if they get a trade for ben simmons sure then i think top 10 is realistic yeah and that's part of what was in my head when i originally wrote down top 10 i'm like well if there's still a chance they get Ben Simmons, and if yeah. they get that, I mean, I'm gonna look like a freaking genius. Right. If you could find odds on that happening right now, and then they trade for Simmons, you just come out, you know, with all the money. Yep. No, I hear you. I think it's uh, I think it's bold. I mean, it, just because of the his, you know, historically, they have never done it, so they're gonna have to really show something different. And a lot of these players are gonna have to show something different. So it's gonna be a, uh, it's gonna be a Sam Cassell type impact that Patrick Beverly is gonna make on this roster if if that team really you know steps into the top half in the league in defense. Yeah, and I think part of why why I think that is, like you said, the difference you can feel it being different because of the coaching staff that you know and the style of play they're playing. So that's different. But I also feel like it's different because you remember when Rashad McCants is my second week in a row mm-hmm. where I did Rashad McCants antidote. Remember when Rashad McCants in preseason said he was going to average nine assists a game? Yeah, and you know we all rolled our eyes, and well, that's because it's Rashad McCants predicted nine assists. The guy who couldn't pass up a shot. There was not a shot he would pass up, um, but somehow he's going to become a great passer. I do think Ant, when he says he's going to average three steals, I don't really think he's going to average three steals, but I do think he's going to put a lot of effort into trying to average three steals. Yeah. And from what we've seen in preseason, he's been a really good defensive player. Um, it's funny so because I, when he predicted the height, like his goal was to get like two to three steals. I thought that was like in my head, I was like, that's a, that's not a good thing. Like, if your goal is just to get steals, then I'm like, did he not listen to anything about like defensive fundamentals and staying in front of your guy, like the Jaden McDaniels? Yeah. You know, somebody asked him like, well, you're not, you're not going to be playing the free safety role like you yeah. did last season. You're going to be playing, you know, more man on man. Did you think that, you know, impacts your your goal of two to three steals per game? And he said, no. I yeah. think that only makes it easier. I'm going to be average six a game. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so you're down on it, but 
but that's Ant being Ant. Yeah. I don't think Ant even really believes that. That's just him being the showman. But I do think he, more than any of the other main players on his team, has bought in on the defense because I think he knows he's got a real chance to become a superstar in this league. And the only way he's going to become a full-on superstar is if he's also on good on defense. Otherwise, he could become the best offensive player, one of the best offensive players in the game, but he could be just another Westbrook where it's hollow stats, you know, and he's, it doesn't lead to a lot of winning um, because it's often you see a guy that averages a triple-double miss yeah, the playoffs. Right. Year. So, um, so yeah, I, I think the culmination of all these things, Beverly, Torian Prince being on the team, I think he's a better defensive presence than guys playing the minutes he was playing last season. I think Ant buying in, I think Cat being healthy, um, all season. I think even D'Lo is going to have a, a, a increased role on defense that's going to make him more impactful. Um, I don't think he's going to become Patrick Beverly all of a sudden, but I think he'll be a better defender than he's been. Um, so I think, and then you have Jaden McDaniels continuing to grow, where I think he's, you know, I already said several episodes ago that I thought he was an elite defender today. I think he's already an elite defender, and I still think that holds true. Now, I will say that I've been a little bit concerned about his falls. In the preseason, he's made some yeah. silly falls that he didn't make last year, even as a rookie. So I don't know if that's just a difference in the role he's playing or what. But uh, but regardless, it's, you know, when uh, the tide rises, all boats rise, you know, and I think it's one of those kind of things where all these little changes are going to result in a better defense for the team and potentially top 15. No, let's hope. That would be, I mean, if they're a top 15 defense, they're a playoff team, no doubt. Oh, for sure. They're, they're, they can't fall below eight yeah. offensively, right? Yeah. They got to be with those guys. So, fingers crossed. Unless they trade away D'Lo and Beasley for Simmons, well, then you're taking a shot on offense, you know, mm-hmm. bigger hit on offense than what you may be projecting. But even then, you're still a good offensive yeah. team. You're Simmons is still team. a good regular season offensive player. That's playoffs, he's a good offensive player. He just wasn't a three-point shooter. Like, yeah. He, like, I mean, he's yeah, not a fourth-quarter yes. shoot. Yeah. isn't. I, yeah, he's they, not a shooter. Yeah. Shooting's not where there is to offense. Passing's yeah. equally important or more important, in my yeah. opinion, to offense than just shooting because, you know, you want a shooter, you got Danny Green and Seth Curry. Yeah. L- let them light up. Right. Go yell at them when they don't make a three. <laughs> like, I don't, you know. But. All right. If we dive into Ben Simmons again, we're going to take this from an hour pod to a two hour pod. So uh, let's see. Number four on mine. We talked about Ant a lot. I'm going to say that Anthony Edwards is going to challenge. Donovan Mitchell's title as the second best or the, as the best second year season out of a shooting guard since Dwayne Wade. So Dwayne Wade had a, in his second year. So the the funny thing is both Wade and Mitchell were significantly older than, than Ant is even currently right. in the, especially in their second yeah. year. So, you know, Mitchell came in in his age 21 season is he was 22 in his second year. Wade came in after three years in college. So he was similar um, Ant has just turned 20, you know, so he's got pl- a couple of years before he's, he's catching up to these guys, but, um, Ant's like LaMelo's age now. Yeah. LaMelo's last year. Yeah. So, I mean, like we talked about, he's, uh, he reclassified in high school to graduate earlier, go to, go to, you know, go to Georgia. So he should really be like a sophomore in college right now if he was right. continuing. So, um, but so, so Wade in his second year, he had 24 points, 5.2 rebounds, 6.8 assists, 1.6 steals, 1.1 blocks on a 56% true shooting. So like 
I don't, yeah, I don't expect (laughs) Ant to reach those numbers. You know, I I don't like he's not going to approach seven assists a game. You know, five rebounds would be great. I'd love it if Ant could get five rebounds a game. You know, maybe he scores 24. I think we'd love it if he scored 24 and kept up with what he did over the last third of the season last year. Um, And then, you know, like I said, the defensive numbers, 1.6 steals, 1.1 blocks. I think those would be awesome goals for him if he's going to be proved to be a defensive, you know, wing, especially from the shooting guard spot. And, you know, he he was at that, you know, league average 57 percent or so true shooting, you know, down the stretch last year. But he's going to have to prove that he can keep that up for a full season, too. So, like, he's not going to approach those Dwayne Wade numbers. But so I think that he's going to hold down that on lock for the the best um, second year from a shooting guard, you know, in the 2000s. But uh, but yeah, Donovan Mitchell is really the only other competitor because, you know, you think about the different guys like Bradley Beal or James Harden, like none of them were who we expect, who we know them as in their second year even yet. You know, Harden was still coming off the bench in OKC. Bradley Beal was still getting his feet around him out of Florida. He was, you know, and they both came in, you know, after their freshman years in college. So they were young, just like Anthony Edwards is. But I think he's already a step ahead of where they were. I agree. In, in I was going to say, and, and they're, they're more limited and what it is that they do in terms of overall skill set. Like yeah. they're obviously elite shooters and they're they're the two best shooters out of that group, right? But they're not I mean, Harden now has more of those skills yep. um than even Beal, but but I think Ant at, at this age, I think Donovan Mitchell and Dwayne Wade were more well-rounded in their second years mm-hmm. than Harden Beal were. So I, I agree that that's the better. Plus, I mean that was the comp coming in, right? As well, I think we yeah, said that a lot about Don, a lot of Donovan Mitchell comps. Yep, yeah. which, like we said, is is crazy because they were both significantly older than Ant is. So if he can keep along that trend, he's the sky's the limit for this guy. But oh, you know, yeah. Mitchell came in. He had essentially was a twenty four point four rebound, four assist guy his second year, which is huge. I mean, you don't want to take anything away from Donovan Mitchell, but I think uh, you know he had one point four steals. He didn't make an impact on blocks, and he was you know below average, a five thirty seven percent true shooting percentage. So. If Ant can keep up average efficiency, he's going to approach those counting numbers, and then I think he can be a major impact on defense, even more so than Mitchell has been. So I think he's he's going to ch- at least challenge, if not pass Mitchell for that for that title as the the best second year shooting guard since Dwayne Wade. I like it a lot. Um, where's Booker falling at? I don't think Booker was getting the minutes yet, even even even. No, I mean, well, I take it back. He might have scored seventy one in a game in his second season. Let me hold, hold pull him up. <laughs> Yeah, because Booker would be the only other one that I think we might be missing or forgetting about um, in that group. But I like the prediction because I do I do think Ant has a good shot at passing Mitchell. I just didn't like was Mitchell was Mitchell's second season as good as Booker's second season. So Booker's second season was twenty two points, three rebounds, three assists. Okay, with so, yeah. under, with under a steal a game. So Mitchell, I think, would have yeah the title so better. far. Yep. Yep. Okay. So yeah, so um, we've, we've determined that Mitchell is the got the crown for the mm-hmm. second best shooting guard season since Dwayne Wade. Yep. Uh, or, <laughs> so I will say, boldness factor is like a five. Oh, okay. So I actually like that one. All right, I'm gonna give it a give it a nine. Play, go hard. Right. I'm gonna get all the points. I'm gonna yep. put my whole reputation on this one. Um. <laughs> I don't think this is as likely as Towns being an all-star this year, so I'm going to have to give it a seven on confidence. Okay. So you get the, you get the benefit of the numbers there, so you can make sure you don't look right. like a yep, don't look like a fool, like a sucker like me with the. Would you give it a three on boldness? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I gave it a five. Five. Oh yes, all right. Two more points. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cash these I, in. I didn't give any threes. All right. Coming back to me back around. Uh, my final one for the night is uh, I don't think this is necessarily that bold because there have been a lot of rumors about it already, but I do think Malik Beasley will be traded for a power forward before the season's done. Okay. I think they, they, any, they're they going to lean any, on his... What? Any predictions for which power forward? If you made me guess right now, I would say it ends up being Miles Turner. Okay. I think, the, I think the salaries match up well enough. I don't think there would need to be a lot of other pieces thrown in. I think Indiana has always questioned that fit. And if for any reason it doesn't work immediately with Carlisle coming in, then I think they're going to just decide that it's not no longer a coach thing. It's no longer a... You know, just keep trying it. They're going to try to find a, a, a spot. And, it, you know, that depends on P.J. Tucker's, you know, foot injury and how quickly he comes back or whether or not the vert, you know, has any injury reoccurrence or whatever. You know, if they need any backup, you know, or if they need any more wings, you know, or guards on that roster. But um, I'd say there's out of all of the power forwards that we've talked about as potentially being available, I think he's the one that's been the most available and the most shopped. And with the Timberwolves switching up their front office, especially with the comments that Finch has made, I think they're much more willing than they were even two weeks ago to go with that ultra big lineup. Um, that's like I, we talked about with Nas. So, yeah, and I agree a hundred percent on the Finch being more likely to go big, mm-hmm. which is one of the things I loved about you know when when Rosas was dismissed with Gupta coming in. That I think Gupta would rely heavier. Gupta is less of a system guy and more of a value guy. Yep my opinion and and Rosas was more of a system guy you know find the best value of, of players that fit my system Gupta's like damn the system find the best guys we'll formulate the system around the best guys and I think Finch is also a little bit more like that than uh than yeah Rosas was. I'm sure they're so, in constant communication about you know Gupta's not going to make a trade and say Finch make it work he's going to say can right. you make this work right Right. Yeah. So it's going to be within reason. So I do like the fit. I think Turner fits because of the three point shooting and, you know, and and I think you're right in that he's gettable, um, which is the key factor here. But I also think there might be guys that weren't necessarily on the radar before. I think there will be two. That's why if I had uh, to name somebody, I'd I'd side with Turner, but I think the field is more likely. I mean, because, yeah. I, you know, Beasley sitting at that $15 million a year mark, I think that it's wide open. I think there are tons of players that could slide into there. You know, we, Torian Prince is a guy that we, we're going to really like this year, I think. Um, but he's a guy around that same salary. You know, he would be in a tradable salary for Malik Beasley if he we it's didn't so already have him. You know, so, but it, so it's just there are guys we haven't even considered or never even looked at that could be at that um, at that range. And it's not going to couldn't doesn't even need to be as big of a name as Miles Turner. I think like the other rumor of last year was Gallinari. Mm-hmm. I think he, for example, becomes less likely now that Rosas is gone. Yeah, because he checks off fewer all-around boxes than Turner does. Yeah, so I think Turner stock goes up. I think I don't think he's ever going to be available again this season. But Collins, for example, yeah, I think his stock would have still been the highest for yep. this team. Um, I do think you know, um, uh, blinking on his. What team? Cleveland. Uh, dad Center? played. No, power forward. Markkinen? No. Kevin Love? Nope. <laughs> Dang it. His dad played. How many power forwards do they have? Oh, Nance? Nance. There Who is Nance. now in Portland? Yeah, he's in Portland now. Okay. But yeah, all right. So, yeah, Larry Nance, I think, could be another guy that becomes available again. No, it won't work with Portland straight up because... Yeah. They don't need Beasley, but 
Um, and they don't need Beverly and they don't really need Prince. So <laughs> all the guys that fit salary wise wouldn't fit, but I think his stock maybe rises in the wolves eyes higher than it did when it was just Rosas making the decisions. Cause I think he's a value guy that Gupta probably has ranked higher than some of the guys that, um, possible. Yeah. Rosas might've had, but yeah, but you're, that's not your prediction. Your prediction is just that Beasley's traded. Yeah. I mean, if I were going to, if I were going to Vegas, and our, you were giving me different odds on, you know, maybe I get, you know, plus 500 on Beasley being traded and I could get plus 2000 on Beasley being traded for a specific player. Maybe, I, you know, depending on the odds, I consider play, putting down a bet on, you know, on a guy like Miles Turner. But um, sure. without, you know, without that, with, I can only go up to 10 here. So if unless you give me a boldness factor of one on uh, on Beasley just being traded and I have to get more bold on it, I think I'm going to just stick with him being traded this year. Yeah. No, I, I will say I will give it a boldness factor of four. Yeah. Do you think it's the least bold of your options that you presented? Because, I, I mean, he's there's been smoke around him being traded since we signed him mm-hmm. to the deal. So I do think that there's a, a shot that he's gone, a pretty good shot. But um, for what that is, I have no idea. But yeah. Um, so what's your confidence factor? Yeah, in confidence, one? I'd probably put it in an eight. I don't, I don't see – I mean – I don't see any way that Gupta sits on his hands for the whole mm-hmm. season. And because, he's only got so many pieces you can move. Yeah. So, I mean, unless... And Beasley's one of them. The only, the only thing I could really see from Gupta that would surprise anybody is if... And this would probably be pretty smart, is if he feels like they know who their players are. They know how good they are. So if he's just going to wait and see who really pops for the first month of the season and then tries to take advantage of that, you know, reputation change. If... If Josh Okoge comes out and he shoots 36% from three for the first you know month of the season and he's looking like a legitimate defensive stopper, you know, three and D guy, I could see Gupta taking advantage of that. You know, I think we I all... could also see them falling in love with Okoge. Yeah, I, absolutely. They might just slide him in there and, and roll with it. But I could, you know, Gupta, I, I, I see as just a little bit more of a, uh, you know what, we're going to, we're confident that we know that the fluctuations are going to come and we, we evaluated these guys correctly. So. We're not just going to just ride the hot hand and then let it come back down to earth. Sure. And I can see that. I think the wrinkle there would be being able to determine what is the just the sort of natural fluctuation in yep. these players and what is the system coaching change factor on these players. Like, mm-hmm. So what, when you asked at the beginning of the episode about what things in the preseason we would like to see more of, having Okogi taking only catch-and-shoot shots from the corners is another – trait yep. that I would like to see go on into the regular season. Last season at the beginning under Saunders, he had a green light. It seemed like no matter like whenever he wanted and he was taking too many shots from spots on the floor that he can't hit uh, c- consistently enough. And if he takes them just from the corner, a, he's better at that. B he's only going to improve at that. If that's what he yeah. gets in the habit of taking. So I do, you know, something like that. I could see us like, oh, well, maybe we don't want to get rid of him because if if Okogi can become a consistent thirty six percent three point shooter from the corners with the defense and all the other stuff he brings, the intangibles of he's a great guy, he's a good, he fits the team well. Like he doesn't need a lot of shots to be happy. All those kinds of things. Well, and he's in his contract dirt cheap. Well, then it's like almost impossible to move him. Yeah, I mean, um, he's a fifteen year younger PJ Tucker at that point. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, and a little longer, you know, reach and all that too. So, um, so yeah, but okay. So all right. All right, what's your, what's your last one? 
Last one. So now I got to decide which one because I have two left um, on here, and I have to. I'm going to take the another team one. Okay. So I'll give you the teaser of the the other one was that I w- I was predicting Bomaro would become a regular rotation guy. Okay. Now I won't get into all the yeah the why and why not. Yep. Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily super bold, um, but you know we'll see. But my actual prediction then will be that the Timberwolves not only will they make the playoffs, but I think they're going to finish in the top eight as well okay so um, they there's still a possibility they're in the play-in but there'll be a, a home at least a home game in the play-in correct okay and i think if you want to make it even bolder yeah that they'll finish as high as sixth and i think the team so i the teams above them will still be utah phoenix denver lakers and mavericks those are the teams i think will be above the wolves mm-hmm. the, the teams i think the wolves have a shot to finish above Will be the Clippers minus Kawhi for most of the season. Yep. The Blazers, who I think are going to have a setback. Okay. The Warriors, who I yep. I just think their window's closing, and then I definitely think they're going to finish above the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, and the Spurs. So at worst, no, not the Thunder, and the Thunder. Too, yeah. <laughs> okay. I know. I, 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 and, and, yep. and the those guys are all yeah, out. Don't even talk uh, about them. Yep. So just I just looked at the teams around us, which would be okay. the Grizzlies, Pelicans, yep. Spurs. And the teams directly above us, which, you know, well, it, I, I put it in a different order from how they finished because Clippers dropped without Kawhi. But. Yeah, I thought so, about putting them in the top six as well as a bold prediction. Um, I don't know if I'd be able to give the confidence level there. I'd, I don't know why not. I mean, I think it's just because at that point, what we're discussing is we believe or we're saying we believe in Coach Finch. We say we're believing in, you know, that this roster is finally going to come together and play to their potential. Or um, just play together. Or play together. <laughs> they um, haven't played that. Yeah. I mean, they were a above 500 team when they played together last year. Yeah. And even that wasn't together because Beasley was out. So so if, if we're limiting them and saying that they, they can't finish in the top six, what we're really saying is that their talent isn't high enough. Because, like, at that point, you're comparing. Like, it would be great if we could get to a point where we are actually comparing our top two versus like the top two of legit playoff teams instead of just saying like, we have a lot of talent. We just need to put it together. Whereas like, you know what, Carl and D'Lo and, and maybe it's not even Carl and D'Lo by the end of the year. Maybe it's Carl and Ant with D'Lo as a, as a third guy, but it's like, they're just not as good as Luca and whoever you want to say is the second best guy in Dallas, you know, whether that's Przingis or whoever else, you know, is, or they're not as good as, you know, Booker and Aiden, Aiden or, Paul or Paul or whoever it happens to be like they're really good because they're a top six team in the West. But if that's their, if that's their peak, you know, it's like then, or, or they're yeah. a team that hasn't yet reached their potential because they're so young, right? Yeah. We're still, we still gotta be one of the two or three youngest teams in the entire mm-hmm. league. Mm-hmm. So they could be like the Atlanta uh, Hawks last season. Yeah. Almost said Falcons. The Atlanta <laughs> Hawks last season who were, what were they? A seven, eight seed. Um, they were a five seed. They played in that four or five matchup okay. against New York. Yeah. Okay. I, was, I thought they were lowering that. But a team that you didn't, I mean, they were not even in the playoffs when they fired their coach. Yeah. And then they went on this incredible run to make the playoffs and end up at the fifth seed and, you know, had a Cinderella like yeah. run. It could be like we end up like one of them. Yeah. Those types of teams where you, when you, if you line up our two best players with their two best players, I think we're favorable. I mean, at worst, it's a push, mm-hmm. right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and, so I think, but that they're also in the East. I get that. But th- the point being that they just like, there's still room for that team to grow. The Lakers aren't getting any better 
they're, whatever they, they turn out this year, unless they bring in some younger players, they're not getting better than whatever they are this year. Yeah. The Clippers, you know, if, when, if once Kawhi's healthy, they're not getting any better than what they are right now. No, I mean, um, and they have a gap this year. They have, they left a do- the door open to, for somebody to slide ahead of them. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, Utah, I don't see a lot of youth on that team. That's going to help. Like we already talked about Donovan Mitchell, you mm-hmm. know, he was, I mean, he, he's cat's age or, you know, or older. Right. So he, he's the youngest star on that team. Um, so they're not going to get any, you know, any appreciably better, uh, you know, um, from developing Whereas the wolves are still, I mean, cat's still 25. Yeah. So it's, they're still a really, really young team with their best players still really, really young. So I, I do think there's a, there's a possibility that they finish sixth, and you're still excited about next season because next season you're thinking, wow, this team looked like, you know, they're starting to look like something one more year under their belt. Now, now they got a, you know, a playoff mm-hmm. series under their belt. So they kind of know what it takes to, to do play in the playoffs. Now I could see them becoming a three seed. Um, so that, yeah, I mean, I can see that in the most comparable team, like you said, would be Atlanta from last year. But the, the thing that Atlanta really had going for them, yes, they had some top end talent. They had a good system with, with Trey and Capella, you know, in the pick and roll they ran and Collins spreading out. But what they could do is they could throw out 11 guys. You know, I, I don't have the exact number. It's just, you know, a large, you know, more than two rotations of legitimate NBA players. And they, they wouldn't put anybody on the floor that would hurt them. Like they, they're just super deep, you know, both in their front court and their back court and Bogdanovich, you know, and it just they have uh, Gallo, who we talked about earlier. They've just got, you know, and then they're all of the young wings, whether it's Hunter oh, or... Fish. Yeah, Gallo and Hunter was out for the playoffs, right? Like, yeah, he missed a majority yeah. of the playoffs, but then they had um, Reddish coming at the end. So they like they had just depth upon depth upon depth. So what the but Timberwolves? Me, you look down there. I think we do have similar depth. Too, so what the Timberwolves look, need for the first time in like a decade is they need to agree that if there's a player on this roster who is torpedoing the season and is not holding you know holding up their weight, they're just not going to get the minutes. Even last year when they wanted to say that they were going for things like. They started the year with uh, Culver getting minutes, and then Wancho kept getting minutes throughout the season. Is that you? You knew there were guys on this roster who were getting time on the floor that just weren't well, contributing to winning. And if we're being honest, even Ant at the beginning, yeah, was the team. Um, but you have to go through that with a number one pick. You do, you know? like, and you you give your your young guys that time. But if this is going to be the year, if they're if winning is all that really matters, like these guys, like guys like Balmero, guys like Noel, like. They just have to know everybody's going to understand like nobody's just being gifted minutes this year. This is the top 10 or the top 11. If they decide that McLaughlin's really in the rotation, like he's looked to be in the preseason, like the top 11 are the top 11. We're going to, we're not putting out guys who are, aren't contributing to winning. So you got your, your, well, I guess we don't even know, know who our starting five is, but, but assuming you know, it's, you got your top D- six you essentially. D-Lo. Yeah. You know, D'Lo, Ant, Beasley, McDaniels, Vando, Cat. And then Beverly, what am I, how many am I at? Eight, nine. You, you, you add in. Um, so, they, so they've kind of had their two rotations plus McLaughlin. So they've got, so if we go back to the first game, they've got D'Lo, they have uh, Ant, they had McDaniels, they had a Kogi and Towns in the starting lineup. And then in the backups, they had uh, Beverly and Prince along with Beasley, Vanderbilt and Nas. So those are your two five-man rotations essentially. And you can mix and match between there. To yep. figure, and then they had McLaughlin as number 11. Yeah, and, and then I I think the only guy out of those eleven that could hurt you mm-hmm. could also be your your saving grace is Okogi. Yeah, oh, we don't know what Okogi we're gonna get if 
If exactly. he's hitting shots, he is every bit as effective as, you know, the, those role players we're talking about on Atlanta. Um, and if, you know, if he's not, he's he's the guy that can hurt you more than anyone. I don't see Jordan McLaughlin would be the other question. I don't see him really hurting you much. I don't see Vandal hurting you much. I don't see I don't see Jaden hurting you at all. I don't, well, if, you know. and if McLaughlin doesn't hold his weight, he's the third point guard. They can usually shift the right. rotation and not give him minutes. I mean, yeah, like give him minutes or whatever too. Um, yeah, they're just gonna have to be. They're gonna have to keep an eye open and just know who you know who's contributing. Like last year, you would have said Ricky Rubio is going to contribute to winning, no matter what his stats look like, and he just didn't for the first couple right. months of the season. Like. You would have he also, like, he also out of shape and yeah. all that. You know, we assume that Patrick Beverly is going to contribute to winning, and we've loved what we've, what we've seen out of him, especially on the defensive end and the culture that he's setting so far in the preseason. But if he comes out and he's shooting thirty eight percent from the floor for the first two months, then it's like that that could torpedo their chances. You know, because they don't have a legitimate could, backup I, point guard. I I do think if Beverly's not playing well, mm-hmm. he doesn't torpedo. He he's like. Rubio where Rubio doesn't torpedo your chances because guys like those guys don't shoot enough yeah. to hurt you on the offensive end. Uh, they're not helping you win, but they're not causing you to lose, right? Okogi is the type of swing player where he can cause you to lose if he's taking 14 shots. And he has a lot of nights where he does that. Um, and he goes two for 14 or whatever. Yeah. You know, that can torpedo your shot. I don't, you know, Rubio, we're talking. We 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 talked about Rubio or fans here the, during his first tenure here, in the same way that Philadelphia is talking about Simmons, yeah. that he wasn't a willing shooter, he was he wasn't a good enough three point shooter, all these kinds of things, and so we bring in you know a Jeff Teague and that you know didn't pan out, and so um, Okogi is the one guy I think that we have to watch the mm-hmm. closest for that sort of getting to getting to six. Yeah, so I think they're going to have to lean on their depth and just trust that they can always... I mean, we loved what we saw from Vanderbilt last year, but can we honestly say that Vanderbilt in this offensive system is going to keep things humming the way that it needs to? Like, he still has a lot to prove because he hasn't you know, hasn't had a ton of minutes on the floor, but we're he's the only like legitimate power forward on the roster. So um, Right, but I think if you play him with D'Lo, Ant, and Cat, I mean, you and I could play power forward <laughs> on the offensive end. Yeah. If those three are also there, all you have to do is just keep swinging the ball. Like, yeah, where we would kill him is on defense. Well, Vandal's not going to kill him on defense. No, he'll be you know, he's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so we're very high on all these players. I'm just saying, like, yeah, that right. Finch needs to be cognizant of what these guys are doing. And if, if they're going to lean on their depth, if they're going to just say, like, you know what, we're going to be 10, 11 deep of legitimate NBA players. And that's why we brought in Prince. That's why we brought in Beverly. Like, we have veterans on this roster and the positions that we needed veterans and We'll just lean on them because they contribute to winning. Yeah, they could make they, they could legitimately make a run if they're healthy, you know, at a locked in playoff spot. And it would be a surprise to some people, but if these guys end up at six at the end of the year, it's like we're gonna know a couple months into the season because it's gonna be like they're gonna start hot and they're just gonna kinda ride that and it's gonna be like, No, they're 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 legit because they just they found a system that works for them. So they do crossed. have a very yeah. tough start to the schedule. They do. They have like- Luckily, seven of their first eight are at home, though, so they can yep. hopefully make some leeway there. And New Orleans might be without Zion yep. um, those first couple games, which would suck as a season ticket holder because mm-hmm. those are the only time he's going to be here, but um, would be good for the, the team because yeah. without Zion, that team's a mess. But so Well, Chad, we got one more preseason game tomorrow, and then the real real action begins. Yeah. I'll be there. Uh, it's a Wednesday, the Houston game. Yeah, twentieth. Yeah, yeah, a week from tonight. How many of those? Uh, how many of those first seven games are you going to be at? 
I have to look at my schedule. So I already negotiated out of my anniversary. Okay. So I can go to the game. <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we're going away this weekend to celebrate the anniversary. All so right. I can make sure I get my son to the game on the 23rd. Um, and then I think the next one's the 25th. So I think I'll be at the first three, but I haven't planned any further ahead yeah, yet. That's, so a, that's a busy couple of weeks if you have to be at Target Center oh, seven times in two weeks. I know. I, and there will be games I miss for sure yeah. because during the week it's it's tough. And my son's got basketball starting, so he'll have practices that night. Absolutely. That's up to you. So. All right, buddy. Well, you go get some rest because you got some uh, some busy nights coming up. Yeah. Yeah, you too, man. I'll talk to you. We'll, we'll be back and uh, we'll talk about the – home opener next time we talk probably yeah perfect yeah we'll probably have to record thursday since there'll be a game on wednesday and there we go yeah that we'll I do a live watching or something yeah all right man talk to you yep see ya bye, bye.